Coldplay sad songs I think of last night. Perfect song for the moment. Texags Radio. Presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in our Rollo Insurance Studio. The last hour we're going to be in this Holiday Inn that I will probably never return to, Logan. Probably. But you never know. I mean, if I come back to Des Moines, if I come back to Des Moines, I'm staying in the same hotel I was at. Yeah, you had a good one. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this one. It's just, it's just not as nice as the one that gives you, you know, uh, fondue for breakfast like and, and champagne. Would you like a little? What's the one with orange juice and champagne? What's it called? A mimosa. mimosa. Ah, it is Texax Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. We go to the hotline. We're joined by Mark French, who I think very much like uh, Kennedy or excuse me, Kane Agley earlier, will put us in a great mood because he finds good things to think about when talking about this Aggie basketball team. Mr. French, good morning, sir. Howdy, guys. Good morning. Good to see y'all. And uh, Logan, good to see your face on the Zoom. What's up, French? How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. Good to see it. Well, actually, you, you don't sound as good as normal, and I understand why. Last night was not uh, – it, it is predictable if you're an Aggie, right? I think we all know what I'm talking about there. But it wasn't predictable the way this team had played. Mark, what, what, what was your take on last night? Ooh, if this is open mic session. I don't know where this goes. Um, it's just disappointing, I think, is the word um, – and I don't mean that as a shot across the bow to the program or anything like that. It's been a phenomenal year. You know, we won 25 games and Reed was sold out all year. And I've never seen it like that. Uh, the Tennessee game, I was there. It was phenomenal. Um, in a lot of ways, the program took, took big steps forward. Um, the flip side of the coin is that uh, we're not there yet. And I felt like we entered this game with a little bit of entitlement um and contentment and how we played and that was really frustrating from a team that you know we like to talk about them being outside dogs and we like to talk about uh you know the grit to this team and uh it was just disappointing because you saw how the bracket was lining up you know the winner of Penn State Texas is going to have an awesome shot at you know maybe even a final four um with Sasser you know maybe going down again and uh it's just incredibly disappointing to come out and be non-competitive on the biggest stage after all year long uh, being that team that no one wanted to play because of how fierce and, you know, determined and, and all those good words that, that we use to describe this team for four months. And then you come out and lay an egg and it's over. And that's how fickle this, this thing is with 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and I don't know whether they were psychologically and emotionally drained from Nashville or the SEC slate or whether, you know, they were just content to be there. I don't think that's it. Um, it just makes you wonder what happened. So, so let me ask both of you this, Nuno, you too. Uh, what does this loss do to the perception of the program going into next year? Not on a national scale but on a fan base scale because they, I mean, they packed Reed the last five or six games, seven or eight games of the season. They had a great season, but when you think about teams that have been the best in the history, you think about their postseason runs, the mm -hmm. sweet 16s yeah. and what they did, this team got bounced in the first round. What does that do to the fan perception and the support going into next year? So I, I'll take this first, Mark. I, I think it takes a hit. 
but it's not a huge hit. But the reason you can't lose by 20 plus or what was it, 18 to whatever the, the final score was and not take a hit in the first round in a game that you were favored, right? Have they lost to Penn State? Let's call it by four, six points, a game that they were competitive. I don't think it takes a hit. It's just unfortunate situation. I think it takes a hit, but it's not a major hit because you remember, hopefully you remember, and hopefully with the transfer portal, things stay the same. Wait, the core of this team is coming back. And oh, by the way, for most of the year, they were excellent. Most of the year, right? So it takes a little step back, but I think with time, we we will we'll more focus on the good and just... Whatever good happens next year, it'll still be. But what do you do in March? It'll still be about that, Mark. Yeah, no, I, I mean, really the question is psychologically, where's the fan base at heading into next year, right? And so, um, you know, I've thought a lot about this, and both of y'all know that Nuno may be a little less, but Logan and I talked extensively about this. But why you talk about, you know, building this program into, you know, one of the top programs in the region and the country. And the fan base to support comes behind that. Um, why are we not playing? I think one, I think the fan base will be there. I, I think psychologically it'll take a hit for a little bit. Here's one thing that I would love to see. To talk about adjustments to the program. Um, in addition to the new arena at some point in the next five to 10 years. We need to be playing bigger home games in November, December. Why is Kansas not playing at Reed every three to four years? Why are we not playing UH? Why are we not playing Baylor? Um, obviously, Texas coming over, that will give us another marquee home game. But why are we not playing these Blue Bloods doing a home-and-home? Home? I hate neutral site games. I hate the Dickies Arena deal in Fort Worth. And you can say it gets you ready for the tournament, but that's, I, I don't believe in that. And I think part of getting this fan base continually bought in, one, winning 25 games is a heck of a start. Winning big games like Tennessee – at home, Alabama at home. Those are those are things that the students remember. They remember the the pregame party they had, and they look forward to that next year, right? All that stuff. I get it, but we also need to be playing in these big time games uh, in November, December, and I think that's that's something that I would love to see revisited. Um, and then also just continually um, evolving the style of play. I think one thing that the fan base really enjoyed this year was. Um, like, we started to score the ball. Like, these teams defensively weren't – this team defensively isn't what some of Buzz Williams' teams were in the past, in my opinion, uh, at certain times. But offensively, we could score. And fans love that. Like, it's fun to see Wade Taylor pop off or boots go off or Dexter have a high-flying dunk. And I think that's another component of this, the style of play, um, the evolution of that as we get more three-point shooters in, as we get, you know, more athletes and we upgrade at spots like the – the four position, maybe even at the two position, uh, you know, and so those are things that come to mind. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. The only, the only problem with having a blue blood program do a home and home is that no one wants to do that with A and M. And why is the, that, Logan? The reason I say that is because A and M is not thought of as a high quality win on a national scale. But yet everybody knows that if they come to Reed Arena, that's that could be a loss in in, right. in a so, big time. So way. it doesn't look as good as a loss. It, exactly. They 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 say, okay, if we win at Reed Arena against A and M, that doesn't do that doesn't move the needle enough to take the chance to get a loss 
right. a loss would look worse than a win would would look better and and, and that's the problem right now you know if a&m makes a run this year to the sweet 16 or elite eight and then they make another run to the second round or sweet 16 next year and all of a sudden buzz has this thing rolling and everybody the national media is talking about you know buzz has this thing in year six that they've gone to two sweet 16s and they are they're becoming a powerhouse and they, like houston did yeah exactly then all of a sudden you can take that chance. Right. Kansas can take that chance coming to Reed Arena and saying, you know what? We went, we're, we're playing a home at home. We'll be, we'll, we'll beat them at fog and we'll try to beat them at, at Reed. But if we don't beat them at Reed, at least we're losing to a team that has gone to two sweet 16s in a row and has this thing rolling. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's, that's the tough part of scheduling is because no one wants to take that chance of losing to A&M at Reed Arena because they know there is a greater chance of losing at Reed Arena than there is winning. And what's the upside of that? Right. Mark, uh, when you're watching the game yesterday and you see A&M saying, hey, we got a bunch of Steve Kerr's on our team. Let's shoot a bunch of threes. I understand. Like oh, Logan and I have talked about, I understand the why. But at what point do you abandon that why? Well, it should have been abandoned from the jump. Anytime you're uh, abandoning what you've done all year to try to match someone at a game they play better than you, that is the three-point shooting game. Everybody knows that about Penn State. I just question, you know, not the coaching staff, but some of it, the players, the, their decision-making, um, just the whole approach is uh, – it's like, man, you're so good at this one way. Why do you want to be something that you haven't been? Or why do you want to get away from what's been winning? And you're not going to get as many calls in March, but I just hate that we didn't play downhill um, more. And, and you weren't going to get all the foul calls, but it's the, the style of play, right? And uh, I think I, I didn't get to listen. I know you and Logan talked for probably 30 minutes before, so sorry if I'm saying the same thing that he might have said. But switching one through five and then getting weighed on ticket uh, – drove me up a creek. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I would have loved to see, uh, you know, let's pick up full court, or maybe it's a face guard in the half court. Maybe it's a one-two-two into it. We like to do the one-two-two. Okay, let's do that. And then we'll, as soon as he gives it up, he's not going to get it back. I just, it was so vanilla. And that's where I said, like, I felt like we were a little entitled and content last night. And I'm not saying you change everything, but you got to be able to tweak things on the fly a little bit. And uh, I think that was what was most frustrating to me is that uh, they, we let them dictate, and then we, we tried to match them. And uh, it's just not who we, it, we were. It's not who we were uh, all year. And uh, it's just incredibly disappointing. I wanted to see this team go to a Sweet 16. Well, to, to piggyback off of that, though, it, I, you know, I don't understand why, if you're going to switch something up, why did they change the offensive style of play? They, they should have changed the defense, defense. To, to disrupt what Penn State was doing. Yes. Instead of trying to match them on offense, they they should have done something different on defense. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're talking about this the next day, yeah, in a hotel room about what we about we what we watched. We we didn't make those decisions game time in in the on the court in the huddles, uh, and so it, it's different. But looking back at it. Uh, to to not change up the defense to get the ball out of Pickett's hands to to trap those ball screens as hard as they can to to make it rotate and force the ball 
in a direction of where they knew it was going so they could the rotation could already hedge that way instead of keeping the defense the same and adjusting the offense right. and trying to match their offensive output that that i mean well, to outshoot a three point shooting team as good as they are one of the, the best in the country like broke the big 10 record that's not that's not going to happen so let me ask you both this before we have to hit a break did it feel like penn state knew what we were going to do every time Go for it, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you look at how they loaded up. I mean, one, they kept, uh, I mean, the middle of the floor post-ups where they were just backing down our guards. They knew what we were going to do defensively. And then they had a, it, it's an extra layer than that, Nino. They had a layer of how they were going to attack it. They knew, they had dissected us, they had identified the weak spots, and then they exploited it. Both ends of the floor, right? They uh, clogged the lane. Uh, we ended up settling for threes. I mean, from there, you know, Shrewsbury, whatever the guy's name is, he's going to be in the running for St. John's or Georgetown if he wants it, um, or he stays there. But, yeah, I, I felt like schematically uh, they had really pinpointed our weaknesses and then exploited it. Um, and I think that's the frustrating part is that I felt like our players were, you know, all year just as good or better than theirs. And uh, there's just a couple little tweaks that they did that really had sizable impact. Logan, anything jump out at you at the way they just kind of knew offensively what we were doing defensively? Yeah, they they scouted the heck out of us. I mean, they 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 knew every play call. I think I think I I mentioned it that one time. I don't know exactly what play it was. It was Wade with the ball, right? Uh, yeah, and and as soon as A and M made the play call, one of the assistant coaches popped up and said, "Iverson cut, Iverson cut." They're after the hammer down, and so they were making their play calls of dissecting what our play was yeah. and and i mean so they had their own so they knew that it was going to be uh, a screen across the the free throw line extended with a wraparound going to the, the backside, a, a, a down screen on on the strong side they knew that exact play and they were doing that the entire night right and, and so they were ready for it you you actually hurt just so everybody understands, this is why it's great to sit with Logan at a game. You saw the assistant coach get up. You heard it like, oh, they know what's coming. And it, and it happened. Absolutely. They, they knew exactly what was coming. They, I mean, they, they called the entire play out. Uh, Mark, it has been fun this season, man. I know last night was not fun, but uh, I loved having you on the show, man. We're going to be doing it. We'll be catching up even before basketball season. All right, brother? That sounds great, Nuno. It's a great year, and uh, it's been a pleasure getting to hang out with you each Friday. So yeah, we'll man. see you all soon. I look forward to seeing you in person here soon, man. Thanks so much. Mark French there on the hotline. All right, uh, Logan, we're going to do a tie the bow kind of thing at some point next week. One of your regular days. We'll figure that out. We'll tie the bow on the season. And we'll look at the NCAA tournament because I did watch yesterday a lot. I'm just not in the mood to talk about the other games, right? I I even told you last night, I don't know if I want to watch basketball. Let's talk about about Princeton and Furman. Just, Just... can Penn State, they're, they're my team now. Can they just win it? Can they just beat win every game the rest of the way, please? That would make me feel a little better. I don't know if they're my team. I don't like them right now. I don't like them right now, but I'm going to like them a lot tomorrow. A lot. No question. They're going to be my favorite team ever tomorrow. Thank you, Logan. Yep. And when we come back, Billy Lucci will be joining us. And uh, if I were in College Station right now, Lucci and I have this. It's a bit, but it's a reality. Like Every time I start going into my Costa Vida little spiel, he's like, we need to go to Costa Vida. And sometimes he takes me. Sometimes it's just great. You know, we go say hi to Holly. Logan, in fact, one of my very first meetings at Tech Sags, 
was at Costa Vida and we were just chit-chatting. I brought my daughter on Elise and Holly got to hang out. And like, we're like, these quesadillas are like the bomb.com. I'm like, can I get more? And they're like, you've already had like a whole survey. Like, can I get more? That's what happens when you go to Costa Vida. They got so much great food. The machaca is that sauteed jalapeno onion scrambled into an egg, barbacoa style beef there in a breakfast taco. It is delicious out there. Part of their breakfast menu out there. They also have uh but chorizo breakfast taco, if I can speak English, you'd understand what I'm saying. The chorizo breakfast taco, or in Spanish, the chorizo breakfast taco. There you go. Uh, go check out uh, our friends at Costa Vida, Holly and the crew there in South College Station. Amazing food, uh, great service, and it's fresh mechs done the right way. It's Costa Vida. All right, we're back. Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Kind of been a moody show. Well, I get it. Hey, we're fans of of our team. It's not been a great run. Um, I thought the University of Texas was a beatable team, but Penn, but they're also pretty darn good too. They were very athletic. Their point guard was very impressive. Um, really like the way he runs the floor. Um, but I, I thought you know if A and M plays their game, it could have been a good one. Uh, no doubt about that. We do have some sound I want to get into uh, before we get Billy here on the program. Um, bu- uh, buzz was summing up the season last night, um, and obviously uh, last night was not what we expected, but uh, there was a lot of good that came from it. I'm really bad at beginnings, and I'm even worse at endings. And uh, I probably should grow up and be a little more mature in planning that better. I just don't like to pre-plan what am I going to say if it goes bad. Uh, I want to keep playing, and... As yucky as this game was, um, I think we will look back at what's transpired over the last 75 days with great memories. And I think that it speaks to who these guys are. I think it speaks to their parents. As you know, uh, 6 and 5, December the 20th, and 120th in the net, two quad four losses. What has transpired since then uh, has been so good. And I think as time goes, we'll look back at all of that. It's just emotional to get to this stage, play in the championship game for the second year, hurry up and come to Des Moines, play a very unique offense. They played incredibly well. Yeah, they did play incredibly well. They were lights out from the three-point line. They were, it was just, I look, when we complain about some of what we saw from Texas A&M yesterday, a lot of the credit has to go to how Penn State executed their game plan to perfection. We told you on the, on the ramp-up this week that Penn State shoots a lot of threes. They did that. We told you in the ramp up that they don't foul a lot. Well, by the way, going back to the threes, A&M gives up threes, 8.8 a game. That's what they have done. Um, so, and they did one guy did that himself yesterday. One guy did what A&M gives up. Like, yeah, I just Logan, the look he just gave me, but one gentleman, the Funkhauser, all right, Marty Funkhauser yesterday for, for them. He hit eight threes. We told you that they don't foul a lot. And guess what? They did not foul a lot. And uh, they don't turn the ball over, and they didn't turn the ball over yesterday. We go to the hotline. We're joined by Billy Lucci. 
Billy. Good morning, sir. David Nuno. What's up, buddy? So, look, all my fears came true. Um, heading into this game, I was worried about a lot of those things because I'm a worrier. You know me well enough. I worry about things, and I, w- and I worried. What I didn't worry about was A&M's defense. Um, yeah. But yesterday, the, the defense was exposed because they knew how to run their offense to perfection. Well, a couple things. Number one, Penn State played almost a flawless basketball game. And by the way, they did it on defense as well. And I think what Buzz said kind of rang. It resonated with me. Where It, it definitely got the feeling like A&M's offense was affected by what Penn State was doing to their defense. You know, it was like very shortly into that game, maybe it was by the eight minutes into it or so, the Aggies really looked like they were pressing offensively too. And they got away from so much of what they do. Driving, I don't know how long it was before we saw, you know, Wade or Boots really drive to the basket and get, you know, get fouled and, uh, they gave it to Marble three times early, and that looked great and stuff. But that's not sustainable. I mean, you could Julius can be a, a, a force uh, throughout the game, but he's not going to score forty. You know, he's not going to do what twenty two was doing over there. Um, that's that's not he can't sustain that the whole game because they can they can give him more attention. And the result of that is A and M was going to need to hit some outside shots early. And then Wade picked up a second foul. And then it just, it snowballed. You know, you didn't get anything from from Wade or Henry. And there's two starters right there. I thought Dexter brought it. Um, but even early on when they needed shots, you know, he, he missed some that he normally makes. Like, no one played well on the entire A&M team when the game was in question to me. Um, they looked like an uptight basketball team. I don't think they were reading their press clippings. I, I think, if anything, I was. That's kind of why I was happy that the Miami. I mean, the uh, Miami, the Alabama. Not happy about it, but if they were going to lose, I was like, you know what? Let. If, I'd rather lose. Like let Bama outclass you a little bit. It's kind of serve as a wake up call that, you know, you go out and don't play to your best, you're going to be out of this thing. I just think they look like they were really pressing, particularly Wade early. Um, some of those turnovers were just so unforced. You know, you're down, I, I know it was more than 15, it was like 17, but you're down 15-ish at the half. No matter how good Penn State was playing, you take away just ridiculous, careless turnovers on offense, and that's a you know eight-point game or so at halftime, and you've got a shot to regroup. But Penn State played perfect. I was worried about the defense, Nuno. And, and you know, I, I, you were too, because that's why we kept talking about the three-point shot and, and the combination of that with a guy that can just back you down and get into the paint whenever he wanted. Um, there was such a problem with the help defense. It just, it's frustrating, man, because the last three times that the Aggies have been bounced from the NCAA tournament. It's been because they've been absolutely lit up on defense and had the doors blown right off of them. You think about that Billy Kennedy team, uh, 
that barely escaped northern Iowa. The year Texas didn't hold up their end of the bargain. This year it was A&M that didn't hold up their end. But that team went out to L.A. and got humiliated by OU. That game was over so early. Um, and then and then this year, or the last time you are in L.A., you had blown out number one seed North Carolina. And that game against Michigan was less competitive than last night's was, which wasn't competitive. At least it was competitive for, you know, 16 minutes. Uh, that one was over in four. So three times, their last three times in the tournament, I mean, it's just been really frustrating, uh, deflating endings. And, and I heard what y'all were talking about a minute ago about the crowd and Reed Arena and, and the, the fans you, you pulled in this year. Where do they go? They'll all be back. But I, I, you did – you know, you missed out on a golden opportunity for a couple of things. Number one, for this team to go down as just an absolutely legendary A&M sports team. Uh, I think that was attainable. Maybe had A&M drawn a different matchup. Maybe had they, I think they could have played better and still lost last night because Penn State, like I said, they reminded me of last year's A&M team. But uh, you missed out on that. And I think that the fans, you know, a run could have really got things ramped up uh, at home before before conference play, which is where I think it's it's really difficult around here. And in the South in general, and I agree with French, like you'd love to see them schedule a couple of pretty high-profile non-conference games at home if you can. Billy, the, the methodology behind shooting a bunch of threes when you're down, I, I get I mean, I understand it. I just don't think that's the A&M way because I don't think we're built to shoot that way. Um, but Well, especially not that night. You could tell they weren't falling. Yeah. We had a half of evidence. Yeah. Uh, how surprising was it that they kept it going? Because, I, look, maybe I live in a different universe, but I think a 16-point game is not ideal by any stretch. And you know, the chances of you coming back aren't great. But you get two or three stops, you're kind of in the game again. Well, yeah. I mean, 16 is a, a mountain to climb, but when you have 20 minutes to do it, and, you know, you look at that, you really could look at the, uh, I mean, realistically, you could look at the first eight minutes of a 20-minute half and say, hey, if we could have it whittle this thing down by, by six or cut it in half in, in, in eight minutes, we have a real shot or, or realistically say if you could chip away from this thing to six from 16 to to eight, you know, with, with eight minutes left in the game, you got a great shot to come back and win it. So there was plenty of time. Uh, I wasn't optimistic at all though. Nuno at halftime, just because I watched the first half and this was not Arkansas. This was not a team full of, athletes on the other side that sometimes just don't play great team basketball and that, that just uh, will let Arkansas has a history of letting team. You could tell by the way Penn State was playing that they, they were dialed in. They had a great game plan and credit the Penn State coaching staff. Those guys ha- had a game plan that just created a real problem for what A&M was trying to do. And, you know, 
barring A&M just going unconscious offensively, which I, that's not how, as we know, that's not how they're built. I just thought it was going to be a tall task because it just felt like Penn State offensively was going to was going to keep going. I, I had a hard time envisioning A&M with a real answer there. I did think the Aggies could maybe get back to you know, getting to the basket, getting fouled, kind of extending the game, but over an entire half, you know, like what teams like to do in the final four minutes. But just getting to the line, getting fouled, making free throws, maybe getting a couple Penn State guys in foul trouble. But they were never the aggressor, it felt like. They were always on the defensive. And, and uh, again, you credit Penn State. But I, I thought it was a bad matchup. March is about matchups. It really is. Uh, look at Princeton and Arizona yesterday. Look at the teams that beat Virginia. The way Virginia plays basketball is a really bad matchup for these lower seeds because by the nature of how they play, they, they basically beg for close games. I think this was a bad matchup for A&M. It's why at times it felt like the Colorado game or Boise or these games early in the year where teams were just Burying threes against the Aggies, and you're going, well, why can't they guard out there? Why can't they? And it's just, you know, I, I, I'd like to hear Logan talk about why that is more so than me. He, he understands it for French, but I think the matchup sucked. Um, and I thought it was going to take A&M's A game just to win. I expected that, and I expected a close Aggie win that we were all going to sweat out. Uh, what I did not expect was for the Aggies to go up there and I think really, really put forth their worst performance in a while. And, uh, man, it just, it's frustrating, but it was a fun team, man. It was, it was a fun season. Uh, I wouldn't call it anything historic because of how it ended, you know, first round up loss to a lower seed. I think had they even just won one game, it would have been pretty damn memorable. Had they but won two, they were, they were two wins away from really making that thing special. But now the question is, what about next year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's let's hit that on the other side of the break, Billy. And plus, we got some other things. We got to get into some baseball uh, because a huge series starts tonight, um, and the spring. Oh, yeah. Right around the corner. So we'll get into all that. We'll get to your text messages on the AMB text line. You're listening to Texax Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. It is Texax Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio in our hotel in Des Moines, Iowa. Appreciate everybody listening in. I see your text messages on the A&B text line. We continue with Billy Lucci there on the hotline. Billy, let's uh, advance the story here when it comes to A&M basketball. What now? Uh, you should yeah. have a, a huge group of your, your players coming back uh, next year. Hopefully that is the case. So what's the next uh, step for them? Look, I think they, you know, and this is something that Buzz and, and to some level, Ross, but it's really it's really Buzz and, and his guys, his staff, and they have they put a lot of work into it this year, and it didn't turn out the way they had hoped. But just some with some of the teams not being what they thought they'd be, and also losing some of the games they lost. But I think you look at the scheduling again, 
in the non-conference and say, how do we make this where it doesn't hurt us? And that's where people like, you know, at the conference level, like a Greg Byrne that was on the committee, uh, you know, if I'm Ross Bjork, you need to sit down with him and, and say, okay, what held us back? Why the seven? And don't say it's because we lost to Wofford. It's not that simple because it can't be. There's got to be more to it there. How do we help ourselves? And maybe that means playing a brutally tough non-conference schedule. May, and I'm exaggerating, but maybe you play four powerhouses and you go one and three, you come out better off for it when selection time comes. Maybe the, I don't know what the answer is, but you got to continue to kind of adapt there and also play better uh, earlier in the season. Uh, the second part of that is let's not lose sight of something here. This basketball team from from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, 23, that, that this season, the strides they've made and, and what Buzz is building, it, it, there have been substantial steps forward from in, in each of the last two seasons. Make no mistake, they had a terrible performance last night. Uh, they finally got to the dance, and you know they they were in and they were ushered out really quickly. Like, hey, you guys don't belong yet. We, we you know, go on. They earned their way in. Don't don't take that the wrong way. But they just they were unprepared for whatever reason for for that moment last night. Bad matchup. Was it overconfidence? Was it? I thought they were just pressing. I didn't think it was over. I thought they were pressing. Um, Whatever it was, they, they weren't prepared for the moment last night, and they got sent home. There's a lesson to be learned there. But they made huge strides from last year to this year and from you know 2020 to the year, the year prior. They've got to do that again. Like, like Logan or French said earlier, they're not, they're not there yet. Um, are they among the best? Have they established themselves among the best in the SEC? Regular season, yeah. Conference tournament, yeah, we got to wait and see what these teams do in March Madness. Uh, you know, you look at Arkansas, it's back-to-back Elite Eight. They got a chance to beat Kansas this week. It, it's hard to say you wouldn't trade it for what they're doing in the tournament every year. So they've got to turn this into tournament success, what Buzz is building. That's why he's here, and he knows that, and the players know it. Well, how do you do that? I think they've got Look, nobody has a guy that can hit eight threes in a damn game like this dude who who they found at like Bucknell and comes just trotting out against A and M and decides to hit eight threes when he didn't hit one in five tries in their previous game. And I know a lot of them were open, but some of them were just really skilled shots that he hit and incredibly difficult. I'm not saying you get that guy, I'd love to, but I do believe that this program needs a guy that can really sit out there and, and, and catch and shoot and bury threes with, with real regularity. I think that would be one of my priorities is to get a dead eye shooter that can hit it from, from anywhere on the court. That would, I think work, you know, do wonders for this team. And I think secondly, you better, It'd be nice to find, you know, a shot blocker like they had with Nebo. Um, but I do like what they're bringing back inside. But I think the, the, the biggest thing is to find an, a true outside threat, like game in, game out, be among the better shooters in the SEC type of guy. And then the other thing is 
So I think you, you better replace Dexter Dennis. We, I don't think anybody would argue what his value was in this basketball team this year and what he did on the defensive end and athletically out there on the perimeter. Like they, they, that's a guy that you've got to figure out uh, how to replace him. And I think you go out and look for the same type attributes. There's about 8,000 people in the portal right now. So I'm confident in Buzz, Buzz's ability to go out there and get you know, another, I don't know how many it is. Let's just call it three, three or four more. But you look at what Dex meant this year. You look at what Andy and Marble meant this year. Um, if you could get similar impact out of the portal this year, this basketball team should be pretty damn good. And yeah. regardless of what he looked like last night, Wade Taylor's an absolute freaking star in the making. Um, Hopefully this will be, you know, one of those learning experiences where this guy just doesn't miss a day in the gym and and is just obsessed with being, you know, one of the top players in the country next year because he could do it. And then and finally, Boots Radford has a year of eligibility left. Um, Boots can get paid to play overseas. He could probably go G League or whatever. Um, we live in the world of NIL too. Uh, he means a lot to this program. He means a lot to Buzz Williams. That'll be probably the most interesting follow this off season in terms of uh, personnel for the Aggies. Billy, we do got to hit a break here, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the the big series with LSU that starts tonight. Uh, huge one there. Oh, I mean, just a monster series to start it out. I mean, Look, nobody's picking A&M to win this series around the SEC baseball. LSU looks like a juggernaut. They look like last year's Tennessee. And that pitching rotation is incredible. That lineup is ridiculous. You have Cruz, and then you just go through you know, the NIL route and, and add Tommy Tanks. You go add ace pitchers from Air Force and, and UCLA. Uh, it's funny to me, David. And you may have to bring me back because who the hell cares? What are we going to do in that last minute? You're going to tell me about uh, last segment because I wouldn't mind coming back. And it's funny to me that LSU can just nil their baseball program to the moon, which is absolutely legal. And I'm not complaining that they did it. Here's what I'm complaining about: all the crap A and M took for a mythical number in football and how Jimbo and football were just absolutely villainized and all this. But yet every, every other program that's doing it, uh, and in particular, like what LSU has been able to do with it, no one else has been villainized. It's like no one else will even, it's like offensive. If you mention that, Hey, they went out and got three of the best players in college baseball from the year before, uh, through NIL. You know, and, and, and then go into digging, not digging, but just figure out where that NIL money came from. It, it's, they, it's legal, it's doable, but nobody even wants to talk about it. All they want to do is, you know, rave about what a powerhouse baseball team LSU's put together. It's fine, they, but, you know, again, NIL paved the way for that, and there's nothing wrong with it unless it's A and M that did it. It seems like sometimes. So that that just that always just strikes me as funny 
ever since the whole $30 million thing and Nick Saban and, and Lane Kiffin and all those jackasses uh, publicly calling teams out. You know, you don't see Slosh doing that uh, through media channels like Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin did uh, when it came to football. So, again, I'd love to see A&M right the ship this weekend. They've won eight in a row. Uh, they're playing much better baseball. But, look, they're also still banged up. Last year when they played this team, you had Dylan Roth, you had, you know, Troy Clanch, you had Minnick, you had, you had Werner. And you might be without those all of those guys, and that's like probably four year six best you know best guys in your lineup last year, and you might be taking the field you know tonight without four of your top six from last year when you went down there and won that series. So if they can pull this off, man, it, it once again can be the turning point of your season if they figure out how to win two or three this weekend. I'll never put it past these guys, but. Uh, it's a daunting task right now with the way LSU's playing. Billy, when we come back, we'll have about a minute left, but it can be all yours. No, I, I got it out. That was it. That was the, that was the whole comeback. Let's talk about that. Well, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you on Monday. All right, bud. See you, man. Billy Lucci. Be safe. Thank see you, sir. We'll see you late, late tonight or tomorrow morning. All right, that's going to do all it right. for this segment. Uh, that's Billy. I'm David. I'm making it awkward, as I always do. We will come back with a short one when we come back. All right, final segment of the program. David Nuno here in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner Schulers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate all the text messages on the A&B text line. On the uh, Tech Sags chat, I thought this was an interesting thing. You know, we've been looking for or it's been a lot of negative stuff, but there's just so many positives this year. One positive from last night um, that I think we need to bring up, XC uh, T87 says, how about that block by Dex last night on the breakaway? That was beautiful. Uh, so let's not forget about that play because uh, it was like a block hold, like off the off the glass, like give it to me. It was beautiful. That was a great play. And uh, I really enjoyed covering Dexter Dennis, just a, a good, good young man, uh, a leader. And he knew how to be uh, loose when it when he needed to be he knew how to be intense when he had to be and i thought he he played very well last night uh, defensively the team concept just didn't work for them but beyond that um he 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 played well as, as i think julius marvel you know he had his moments yesterday this team will be back um and when we come back on monday we got stuff to talk about like aggie baseball and how this lsu series all came to um hopefully in a good way for texas a&m i know they're taking on you know, the Tennessee of this year, as we've heard many times, but uh, it, it'll be it'll be fun to see how this team responds now with SEC play, and they've won eight in a row. So don't don't sit on that. And then, of course, uh, spring ball getting started as well. So we'll have a lot to get into there. My thanks to Logan Lee, who was great. My thanks to Mark French, who was great. My thanks to Hop for coming by, first time on the show. My thanks to Olin Buchanan and Billy Lucci, um, and and thank you to all of you who. Uh, Help make TechSag such a special place. I know we all heard at the same time, but uh, it is a special, special place. Our thanks to Sean. The Zone would love to send you to Chili Fest. We've got locations like Twin Peaks, Uptown Cheapskate College Station, The Standard in College Station, and Willie's Grill and Ice House. Stop by. You'll see the poster. Scan the QR code. You're entered. You're registered. You can win. Make sure to stop by each location because we're going to pick 
one winner per location. Visit Zone1150.com for a list of all locations. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.